vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for, for music, music teachers. teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and today we're talking about practice notes. Welcome lovely teachers. Today on the show I'm sharing a live recording that I did originally on YouTube just a couple of weeks ago about practice notes and how we use them in our studio, whether you use a notebook, a folder, an app, whatever you use. So I'm going to share that recording with you with some tips on how to make them a little bit better. Hello, beautiful teachers, and welcome to the weekly YouTube show that is dedicated to all things music teaching. We go through latest releases and goings on in the music teaching industry and news and special events coming up. And we dive into a special topic each week. This week, we're going to be talking about notes, practice notes, an under-examined area of music teaching, I think, but something that most of us do in one form or another. So let's look at how we can do them better today. If you have questions that are off topic, I will take those at the end. So just type the word question, followed by your question, and then I'll be able to search the chat at the end if you're watching live and come back to all of those. And if you're watching on the replay, hello, you're still welcome to ask a question. Just comment below and ask away and I'll try my very best to come back to you with a useful answer or maybe cover it on a future show. So before we get to the special topic today, we've got a bit of catching up to do because it's the new year. This is our first show in the new year and it's at a new time. We're on Thursdays now. Not technically a new time, I guess. A new day, same time as it was last year. I've had to move it due to student scheduling and stuff had to schedule some students for our previous show time. So this is our new time slot. Put it in your diaries. If you remember, it might already be in your calendar if you have the calendar set up to automatically sync to your Google or Apple calendar. Super handy. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you every week going forward. So a few bits of news. For the first one, I'm going to share my screen. This is Vivid Practice. And for those using Vivid Practice, I just wanted to give you a very short update because we did something that has been requested a surprising amount. It's a very simple little thing that's changed recently, but that is this little edit button right here. So if you haven't seen it and you're using Vivid Practice, you can now edit the folder name. It's just one of those little things that we listened to you about that you really wanted. You could already edit, of course, all your assignments within that folder. Now you can also edit the folder name. The other thing that's changed a little bit, well, maybe since you last saw it, you might not have seen the group messages. So you can now have groups for your messages. So like the recital room is where students will post performance videos. By the way, this is a test account. As you can see there, these are not my real students. This is not my real account because that would not be good for my students' privacy. But yeah, you can have group accounts, group messages so that you can have students in a group chat now and we have group assignments so that you can set up a group like this one group one creatively named and assign the same thing to multiple students at the same time so those function separately from each other because there are different things like you saw there a recital room you don't necessarily want to assign something to all those students together 
And the same thing with the assignments. Maybe you have a pair of students who take lessons together. They don't need a group message together. If they do, you can set that up. But if not, you have the assignments. Yeah, that's just a couple of little updates. The other thing that's a bit different is the messages in your mobile view. Okay, so when you're in using the site on your mobile, it's a lot, a lot more efficient now. I'm just giggling because someone gave me a thumbs down there and then changed it to a thumbs up. So <laughs> okay, that's vivid practice. Just a couple of things there. What's coming this month, what the team are working on at the moment uh, this month is the sticker messages and also the login process, especially for siblings who share a device and that kind of thing, or for students who have multiple devices they use it in. So we're working on smoothing that out. Now in the vibrant music teaching sphere, there's been some new games. So I'll just briefly mention them for members that are watching. I know a lot of you like to hear me talk about them in actual speech, as well as sending you the email about them. So the latest ones we've just added are always up the top when you load the library. And of course you can filter the library by any of these filters. But when you just arrive on the page, it's gonna be the latest ones at the top, the most recent ones. And you'll see we have a lot that look kind of similar. This is because I was expanding the range for other instruments. So we have ukulele, recorder, clarinet, whistler, whistle, sorry, tin whistle is what that means, and oboe. If there's any others you'd like to see, we already have violin and guitar in this series and piano, of course, and maybe some others that I'm forgetting right now. But this was just an expansion of that series. So I did several at the same time. It helps students at the beginning stages of learning an instrument to learn the first few notes. Then this one is a member request, giant relative rhythms. If you're familiar with relative rhythms, this is exactly what it sounds like. It's a giant version. I had a teacher who was doing a group class or was it online? One of those two and they wanted bigger cards. So the same thing where, you know, quaver is half the width of a crotchet. If you're not on this side of the Atlantic, that means an eighth note is half the width of a quarter note. So it's the same thing. They're all relative to each other. However, they're bigger. So if you want the more efficient, smaller version, you can still use that, but this is the giant version. Then we have signature samples. I love this one. It's surprisingly efficient. So I made this, I've been thinking about making it for a while, but I was prompted to finally put this into action. Last year, I had a student who was doing their grade four exam with the Irish Academy. And at grade four, they have to orally identify time signatures as being four, four, three, four, or six, eight. Okay. So they have to listen to a piece that the examiner plays and then say which one of those it is. And this particular student was struggling with that aspect. Now it's only worth, I don't know, 1%, less than 1%, but I thought, why not fix the situation? Obviously we do want them to have this skill. And so I made up this set of examples. The thing that I'd wanted to do for so long was to include in there not just classical examples, but also traditional Irish music examples. Now, I know most of you watching <laughs> are not into traditional Irish music. The thing is, the reason I never had any trouble with this part of any exam was because of my Irish dancing background, because, and this would be true for many of you in different forms of dancing where they use music in different time signatures, not so much for modern dance, so this all dance to 4-4, four, four, like hip hop, etc. 
but if you use a more traditional dance, uh, doing a more traditional dance, you'll tend to end up learning about the feeling of different time signatures. So in Irish dancing, we've got jigs and reels. And even if we want to expand it, we've got single jigs and slip jigs, which are different compound time signatures. Anyway, the point is, they're really easy to get the feeling of. So mixing them in there gives you more confidence, I think, in identifying them. Now, if you want to cut all the Irish ones out, that's fine. I won't be offended. But I do think having the mix of them in there makes it easier because students have these ones where the beat is so clear because it's helping people to dance to it that then they use that as a reference point for the other ones. So the cards are quite simple. They're just identifying. They're just like flashcards, essentially. This piece is on one side and then the time signature that it's in is on the back so students can test themselves. And then we have error escapades. I love this one. I love the colours in it, as you may have guessed if you saw my wardrobe generally. <laughs> These are the colours I wear a lot. But it is super fun because it's about matching up. So we have a few games that do this because it's something I'm really passionate about where we match up artwork, architecture and music of the same time period so that we can get a feeling for history because that's what makes it make sense to me. This is so I didn't like history in school. Sorry if you did. Great. I didn't. I didn't hate it. I wasn't terrible at it but I definitely once I had a choice I did not choose history and it was because it was largely about wars. <laughs> the only part of it I liked was the explorers section because there were no wars in that bit and I just hearing about people fighting all the time it wasn't interesting to me but I think it would have been if I had have had more context around what this meant for everyday people and that's where I think we can connect a lot more to music history or art history or anything else if we have that context. That's what I got when I studied fashion design. I had art history and costume history and then fashion history. My teacher was just one of the best teachers I've ever had. She was absolutely wonderful. And she would give that context. Like, you know, these types of trousers came in because of this other thing that was going on in the world. This game is kind of one of those games that tries to bring that to students. So I hope you love it. I had a question there from Joy. Do the students see what other students are doing in vivid practice? They do not. If you want to read more about my philosophy on that and why that is, you can um, go to the vivid practice site, vividpractice.com, click on the about page and you'll get more of the information around my stance on rewards and things like that, leaderboards and that kind of thing if you want to read a bit more about that. Okay, so that's the latest news, but I have two more bits. Two more exciting things that are here with me in the room. These are not quite out yet, so it's a little bit of a tease. But, glad you agree. But I'm so excited. They arrived the other day, yesterday, I think. My wonderful delivery driver brought them. Big box of books. One of them was just a replenishment of our Thinking Theory prep books. But he also brought two right here. And I'm so excited. Neither of these are out yet. This is the one with a definite arrival date. For members watching, you will be able to access this from February 1st. So these are our limited edition collections, concept collections. And this one will be live in February and March. So you'll have to download it or order it if you're ordering a print copy between the 1st of February 
and the end of March. That's the only time it'll be available. I'm so excited. Look how beautiful it looks. It's so bright and blue and gorgeous. This is number five. We have Stacey Farian, Juan Cabeza, Susan Staples-Bell and Jenny Walker in this collection. And the theme is, as you can see along the spine there, Unposition. So Unposition, the prompt for composers. So for some context on these collections, I give composers a concept, something that I want them to cover that I think teachers will appreciate pieces that help students with something or other. For instance, the very first one we did was just all in G flat major or E flat minor, and it was called six flats. This one, the prompt was unposition, i.e. when students get stuck in position-based thinking, they think I'm in C position, I'm in G position, or even if they don't think that literally about positions, they kind of get glued to the keys and are very nervous or very hesitant when they have to go outside of that spot. So that was the prompt for this one. And the composers have all got, come up with some fabulous pieces to help students break out of that way of thinking about music. So I'm so excited for that. Again, it's coming to the membership on February 1st. And that's when the hard copies will also be available that anyone can purchase, member or not. Then we have this guy. This has been so long coming <laughs> and I can't give you an exact date yet, but these are my first hard copies, properly printed hard copies. Obviously in the testing process, I've been printing them at home and binding them myself, but these are my first properly printed ones. So this is Thinking Theory book four. Thinking Theory book, sorry, prep book, book one, book two and book three have existed since 2016. And I've wanted to do Thinking Theory book four since then but it hasn't been the top priority. <laughs> it's kind of come in fits and starts as other projects kind of took priority. Now it's finally here and it's gonna be coming out very soon. I've recorded all the videos for it. So we're editing those because we do videos for you to do flipped learning, i.e. your students can watch a video at home so they don't have to rely on you for all explanations of everything. So they can watch the videos to reinforce or introduce a concept and then you can help them where needed. So the videos, all 18 of them, I can't remember, there was a lot, are all recorded and are being edited as we speak, almost literally. Then we'll be in the process of getting it fully published. So I'm so excited for that. Okay, that's enough news. We had a lot to catch up on today. We're gonna dive in to today's topic about notes. So let me know in the chat what kind of notes you give to your students for their practice. Do you use a notebook? Do you use a folder? Do you use exclusively use sticky notes? Or do you use an app like me? I use our Vivid Practice app. What way do you give notes to students? And what do they look like? Because I don't think this is talked about much. And I think it should be talked about more. It's more important than we give it credit for if we can get students to read them, which we will come back to later. Because if they're not reading them at all, it's not very important, is it? But this is our only touch point in most cases for students in between lessons. So we have students for 30, 45, 60 minutes a week, and then they have so many hours in between those lessons. And hopefully they're practicing somewhat regularly and during that time, the only guidance we give them, for the most part, 
is their practice notes. So what way do you do them? And what do they look like for you? And has it changed over the years? It has changed so much to me. I try to focus when I'm trying to fix this situation. Try to focus first on making our notes great. And then step two is make your students see the notes. Because it has to be this way around. Because if we focus on, okay, well, I'm not going to make them great because my students don't even look at them. So I need to get them to look at them first. That seems to make sense. But if we do it that way around and we spend so much energy talking to their parents, emailing, talking to the students, trying to get them to view their notes. And then they do, and the notes are kind of confusing, not that helpful, just not very child-friendly, whatever. What are they gonna do next time? Are they gonna look at the notes once you promise that they're now better? No. So you need to make them good first. So how do we make them good? Okay, here's my number one rule, and you can argue with me if you like, but my number one rule is gonna be to keep it short, very short. For most of my students, say like beginner to intermediate level, even many of my advanced, <laughs> my more advanced students, I write a few bullet points, like three. <laughs> and those are all sentence fragments. And that's about it. That's all that's in my notes. Because I want them, if they open them up, to read them. And they're not going to, if they're gigantic. So while you may think, but I have so much to say, it doesn't really matter what you say if your students don't read them, right? And is a nine-year-old really going to read two pages about Clementi? Maybe yours will, and if they do already, great, ignore me. If you have students who are like pre-college, very serious, you teach in a conservatoire, I don't know, some situation like that, where your students really are so dedicated that they will read on top of doing the practice, they will read lengthy notes about what they should practice or the context around the piece or whatever. If that's true for you, awesome. Just ignore me, right? But I don't think it's true for most of us. And I think a lot of teachers write much longer notes than they should. So first rule, number one, if you do nothing else, keep it short and to the point. If you can, Try and use students' own words. So if your student in the lesson describes staccato as being like a bouncy castle, put that in the notes. These are for them. They're not for you. So do it in their own words if you can. Third thing, don't be afraid to use emojis. This is how most younger students communicate. They use emojis to express things, to shorten things, etc. So yes, use emojis with your students. Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of looking a bit silly. And also use attachments. So this is where if you are using system like Vivid Practice, it's so easy to do. Maybe you have another system for this, but try to make it multimedia if you can. Attach audio, attach video, make it as interactive as you can so that they're inclined to engage with the notes, right? Okay, that's simple advice, but I think we need to all follow it. Make them short, use students' own words, make it practical and use emojis to make it a bit fun or make more sense, and include attachments to add more to what you have to say. Now, once you've made them student-friendly, now we need to get them to look at them if they don't already, okay. This is true whether you use an app or a notebook or a folder or anything else. 
we need them to look at the notes. I believe that's a little bit easier with an app, but it's not, still not going to magically happen. I recently have made use of the fresh start effect in my studio. I emailed all the parents in the studio at the start of our new year when we were starting back and explained that the new year was a great time to rethink practice and gave them some tips. So it's just a way of framing it as, okay, it doesn't matter what happened before. It's a fresh start now. Let's get this going. The next step is the most crucial one for me, which is I'm in between. So next week, I emailed them basically a week ago today. Next week, I'll be emailing them. So a week and a half on, I'll be emailing only the parents who didn't, whose students didn't practice, right? So I can see in vivid practice if they've logged in, if they've practiced. So if they have practiced at all, even if it was one minute, which means they were probably just checking their notes and then close the app and practice, hopefully. But even if it was just one minute, that's fine. If they haven't practiced at all in that week and a half, those parents are going to get an email from me with tips about using the app and following up on that. And I'm going to repeat that <laughs> like a week and a half after that. So again, if it's still they haven't touched it, I'll follow up again. And then if it still hasn't happened, that's when I'll flag it to follow up in person. So either I will, if it's my student, or if it's one of the other teacher's students, I'll say it to them, oh, if you see so-and-so's parent at the lesson at drop-off or pick-up, please mention to them about the app and offer them some help with how to use it if they're not sure. So it does take a lot of reinforcement. Everything worthwhile does, right? We wouldn't expect our students to learn all of their note names or all intervals or every music term when we told them it once. So learning to use a practice note system will take reinforcement as well. But it is worth it because otherwise they are really just gonna do whatever <laughs> every time they practice. You will get the rare child who really is just naturally quite focused and structured and will think about it and has a good memory for what you said at the lesson. But for the most part, they need reinforcement. They need help to follow through on the way you're doing it at the lesson. That's such a good point from Lisa there. The non-musician parents can even get lost in less than a page. I would say a page is huge in my book. <laughs> so different perspectives. Okay, a couple of other tips that I'm going to be putting into place. After I've done my extra follow-up next week, my first follow-up with the students who haven't practiced, so I'm giving everyone a good shot at having time to get up and running in the new year, basically. Once I've done that, I'm going to be adding an assignment to all of my students using our group assignment feature, and that will have a secret message. So it's literally going to be called like secret message or something like that. I haven't written it yet. And then in the message, it will say, say whatever. I haven't decided on my word yet. You can come up with a fun word for me in the chat if you'd like. But yeah, hedgehog, something like that to me at the next lesson for a special surprise. And then if they say hedgehog to me, I think I'm going to give them a choice of a sweet or a sticker. Now, I don't normally give out rewards like that, but this isn't really a reward in the traditional sense. It's more like a surprise bonus. And that I'm okay with. That has a very different feeling to me. It's not 
you only practice so you could get the chocolate. It's like a surprise bonus thing. It's just a little fun feature. And I don't think it's going to get in the way of them building their intrinsic motivation to practice. So that's what I'm going to do to spice things up a minute bit. And just really reinforce if you actually read the notes. So not just you practice at all or look at the app at all, but you actually read what I wrote in the notes section, you get a special goodie. And then at some point down the track, I'll do that again. And I'll tell them when, you know, when they get it the first time and say, okay, I might do that again in the future sometime. You'll just have to watch carefully and see. So it's an extra reward for those that really pay attention. I'm not expecting to have to give out 70 chocolates, which is the number of students we have. I'm expecting only a few will follow up on it. And I'm not sure yet whether I'm going to mention it to those that didn't get it. I don't think that I will. For me, I think it's going to be about reinforcing it. And then they'll have another shot later down the track to get the reward, the bonus, the goodie, because I'll do the same thing again. So it's just another way our yeah, another way of building this reinforcement that it is worth it for you to look at the notes. Where are you hiding it exactly? The code. So in vivid practice, students have their assignments. Let me pull it up on screen and I'll show you. Students, let's say we go to Amy up here, who's not a real person. They have their assignments here, right? So I'm going to create a group with everyone, say group one here. And I'm going to add an assignment there that says like secret code or maybe cheat code I might use like it's a video game, something like that. And it's going to say, say pineapple or whatever I decide on to your teacher at the next lesson for a special surprise, right? And I'll put it in the other category and that's it. So then anyone who's in this group, which for me will be all my students under the age of 18, will get that in their assignments. I'm choosing to do it in a group because then after a week has passed and everyone's had a chance to do it, I'll mark it as done and it will disappear from everyone's list. Hope that makes sense. Yeah, that's my extra little bonus. Now the best reward for students looking at the notes again should be that they help go back to the first tips, make them as effective and as helpful and include videos, include audio so that when students do check their practice notes, they're rewarded by the fact that it is really genuinely helpful what is in it, right? Okay, so those are a few tips for you. I hope you'll give them a go and I hope it'll level up your practice notes. Let me know if you have any other questions. Now I'm happy to stick around for a few minutes answer them if you have other things on your mind. Write in their actual lesson book and a notice book, depending on the child's need. Yeah, I definitely also write on their music and stick post-its on their music. That's in combination with the more detailed stuff in the app. The app also helps them structure their practice and they can message us. So it's not just saying the same thing that I would write on a post-it. I'm glad you like it. I hope you enjoyed the show today. Do let me know what you thought of it and what you use for your practice notes. Come find me over on Instagram. We're at Colourful Keys and I'll see you next week. If you liked this episode, you would absolutely love Vibrant Music Teaching Membership. We have the support and the training you need to take your teaching further. Join us today by going to vmt.ninja and signing up.